Shut up, I love it. You can hear a clacking deep ahead, the sounds of hammers hitting stone, or perhaps something more. Shut up, I love it. I am Joe Cabello. I am Sasha Feiler. A lot of awkward pauses in this one. Well, because, yeah, I was like, that took a lot out of me. I know. uh, Mentally to even do whatever just happened there. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible, but I could, that's as far as I can sustain it. It's like I could do one perfect push-up, and you'd be like, what a strong guy. Push-up number two? No, I'm like falling apart. And that's kind of what you would have seen there. But what matters is that we are here at uh, Shut Up, I Love It, which is the podcast when we, where we invite a special guest to talk about something underrated, underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, anything like that. And joining us today, finally, this was very hard to get the special guest, all right? He's a showrunner and an improviser who performs on one of my most favorite improv teams of all time, Honeymoon. Welcome, Brian Robel. Hello. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, of course. And anytime. Anytime. Um, now, I will ask you what you thought about my intro, but I don't want to ask you yet because okay. people need to know why I would even ask someone yeah. of your esteem. Nope. So yeah. what well, are you here to talk about? The suspense is terrible. I hope it lasts. <laughs> what are you here to talk about? I am here to talk about my love for Critical Role. Uh, Critical Role is a streaming... Twitch series, web series that um, that airs once a week on Twitch and YouTube and podcasts um, that um, that follows a group of voice actors playing Dungeons and Dragons. They've been doing it for about eight years now on Twitch. Is it safe to say too that like Critical Role now it's an empire, not just even a live stream, or do you see it as two separate? things that whole part of it and the live stream it's a growing empire you know i would say five years ago they certainly were weren't where they are now but i think that they're doing a great job of sort of capitalizing on their success which is one of the things i love about them Mm. is that it's truly grassroots were you there from the beginning no fan no, that's a good question, which was like a part of, which can go into part of why I love or have loved mm-hmm. Critical Role. Let's is dive that in. I, yeah, because I got in, first of all, there are hundreds of episodes that follow. So Dungeons and Dragons uh, is a tabletop role playing game for people who don't know, um, where there is a dungeon master and who sort of is like a referee. And then there are players, and each of those players uh, play their own individual characters. And it's a combo of choose-your-own-adventure with some mechanics of gaming in there, right? Um, and so I got into it just before COVID started, and I was, I was going to start playing Dungeons & Dragons with a bunch of improv friends. Mm, when, was that, would that be your first game? Yeah, oh, yeah cool. my first ever. Like I had heard of it, right? You know, and it seemed fun, and I didn't even really completely realize what I was sort of signing up for when I asked to join. And I have to pause. I have to pause you. What did you think about Dungeons and Dragons before you got into it? Like, what were you? I had an idea. Yeah, I had a pretty good idea, right? And like, I, I had a relative. I didn't know that when you join a game, when you join a table, that that campaign with your friends can go on for two years there is no there is no winning the game it's not a game in that sense it's just like a never-ending story if you want it to be or until your character dies right great so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um and so as a way to and when i got into it it was so overwhelming all the rules right and like oh my god there are literal volumes of books you know with rules and things to know and I I man I was overwhelmed 
and um, our dungeon master, the the late great Dan Torson, mm. um, mm. suggested this show to listen to as he was listening to it, and I I knew nothing about it, you know. I hadn't even been to Comic-Con, you know? Um, so started listening to it and was hooked. And on this particular, not just Dungeons & Dragons, but this particular show, Critical Role, with these particular people mm. telling their particular campaign. I think it's a good distinction on Shut Up, I Love It for me to say, yeah. hey, I'm not here to talk about, I mean, I am. I could talk about I love Dungeons & Dragons, but thinking about this, it's like, I actually love Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, point of the whole story is that I had hundreds of episodes lined up. So it was like bingeable. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They're like hours long, too. Well, each one is three to five hours long, <laughs> let's say, right? Each episode. And I had hundreds of episodes mm-hmm. to catch up on. Mm-hmm. So I was just burned. It's just COVID now. COVID kicked off. Yeah. I'm doing Luckily for tons you. of housework, yeah. laundry, going for walks, you know, whatever there is to do during COVID. Yeah. Um, and so, by the way, I think it's worth mentioning that my main form of ingest, I guess, was podcast, was audio. Mm. So I'd listen to their audio versions of their, this. Anyway, so I didn't start at the beginning, to answer your question, Sasha. Uh-huh. I started at the, sort of like they were in the middle of, they were about to start their second campaign, and I had mm. a whole first one to watch. Yeah, that is, it's it's so much stuff that if you're into it, it's such a gold mine of like, yes, yeah. I get to have this. And it's a little different than um, your regular podcasts where they seem a little like of the moment. Like you might yeah. not a movie review podcast. Let's say you're not going to go back three years ago right. and listen to their stuff. There's a lot where it just doesn't work. You don't right. really hear a podcast talking about the Will Smith slap, you know, today. I mean, not yet. It's too, it's too soon, but maybe. I, th- that was my subtle warning that I am going to talk in depth about the Will Smith slap later in the episode. Okay, I'm going to force good. it in. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a bit different with uh, Critical Role where you can, it's a s- true story. And I'm sure there's some things that age it a little bit. Yeah. The episodes, well, but. not even really. I, I mean, because they're talking, I mean, the way that, I mean, Tolkien's not aged, right? You know, mm-hmm. like it's a, it, it but one of the things that I love about it is that the format is different, meaning I'm used to digesting content in some fixed ways. So uh, hour long, you know, maybe I'll watch a season of, you know, a show, but that's an hour long episode, right? And that and that's it. And I got to wait, you know, wait a year before the next 10 episode season comes. Succession. Or, yeah, exactly. And, or, you know, or it is a one-off podcast. But this is, or, you know, music, plays, improv, right? Those are all just different forms of content to ingest. But this is long form, long form. <laughs> We're talking each one campaign takes two years, right? And yeah. over 115 episodes for campaign one. Um that it's kind of like watching, you know, a novella, my stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, definitely. Yeah, it's and, you know, their tagline at the end of every episode is, is it Thursday yet? <laughs> you know, so it's it's appointment mm-hmm. content for mm-hmm. their fans, the critters. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah, I've seen it from the distance uh, blow up. Like I'd heard about Critical Role. I've, yeah. I've seen some yeah. of the other, um, I don't want to say copycats, because, uh, I mean, how could you say it's just Dungeons & Dragons shot live, but like Dungeon Run, I've heard of those right. ones. I don't know if you've Dimension 20. I mean, there's yeah. a, there are others. And this, we can get into why I love Critical Role. Because yeah. I've watched some of the others, and the others are great with fantastic Dungeon Masters and fun casts. Um. And they were not the first live stream oh. D&D table. They were not? No. I, there were others um, before this. But I think that Critical Role captured lightning in a bottle. And like so leading up to this 
Shut Up, I Hate It episode, I thought about like, well, what is that lightning in a bottle? Why do I love it? I know I love it, but, you know, started to think about it. Yeah, and so it's just insane to me seeing this thing. Like, I go to my comic shop, and there's a Critical Mm. Role clue. There's action figures. There's, like, graphic novels and rule sets. It's obviously this is the one that either they're really great business people, which I'm sure they they are, or Mm. just this is the one that people have latched onto. I think it's that. I think it's – I mean, they've latched onto others. I mean – so why okay yeah let's just get why, into it. why why why, yeah. why so there are a bunch of like i don't know let's let's call them categories or mm-hmm. like pillars that of like why i think there's lightning in a bottle first and foremost is the cast now this cat how the way this started was for a friend's birthday party one of the cast members had a birthday party and they were all real friends they're all voice actors that's how they all know each other and for a birthday party, they did sort of did a one-off. And it was just in somebody's home. And they just sort of kept doing it because it was fun. Did they record and it like on any way? No. I mean, actually, they have some iPhone video. Um, and then Felicia Day at um, Geek and Sundry caught wind of, because they're friends. They're all sort of friends. Mm-hmm. And, um, and said, hey, you want to stream on Geek and Sundry? Uh, all right. And it just sort of took off. But I think my point to that is that they are two things with the cast. They are, well, three. Four. They're super likable <laughs> friends. Like, it's true that there are, that they, you, it reads that they're friends. Mm. And it reads that chemistry. they maintain that energy and chemistry that they brought from their at-home game mm. to the stream. And they just kept it. So there's there's that. The other thing that, for me at least, why I sort of keyed into it was that none of them were Dungeons & Dragons players. Mm. And they were doing it as a one-off. And even a year into playing, they still didn't know the rules. And so Matt Mercer, the the dungeon master, who is the opposite, he's so lovely. And one of the most talented, he's another reason why this show is so great. He's just so... Such a fantastic storyteller. That dungeon master now builds out the world mm-hmm. if you're doing like a homebrew. And is kind of the referee and sort of shepherd of the story, if you will. He's amazing and sort of guides them and know and has been playing his entire life. And he's a lifelong dungeon. So he's DM. the nerd. He's the nerd on the team. He's the nerd. They're all nerds, but not not with Dungeons and Dragons. He's the D and D nerd. And it, from the, my yeah. understanding of uh of the game, the DM needs to be oh, that. The DM it's is so much work, the dude. You need to know yeah. all the rules. You can get away with a playing yeah. with a group who does not know it if you're a good, knowledgeable DM, right? Um, and that is the key position. Yeah, yeah. He's and he's considered the best, right? Like, mm. or one of the best. There's been some, you know, some negative reaction to that is like people hear the hear critical role and there's something called the matt mercer effect where where everybody all the other private tables at home think their dm has to be like matt mercer and it's like unattainable oh yeah 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 and he's even said like no everybody's different do your own thing anyway because the cast had never really played (laughs) and they're fumbling through it it's exactly where i was Mm. um as a player and learning and he's constantly it wouldn't have been as interesting if they were all expert D players and just r- like rifling through the rules mm-hmm. and crushing it they made mistakes and he had to explain that, you know so give an example of a mistake one makes like they don't know sure so yeah. different uh, your your player um, like so, a, as a player, as as uh, me, Brian, I might be playing my character, um, who's like an elf or a ranger or something like that. You have different races, classes, skills, etc. And there's a whole subset of rules that go along with that type of character, that or just the mechanics of D and D. Like I'm going to cast X, Y, and Z spell. Um, great, you cast that. 
but you can't cast it because uh, because you don't have the materials to cast it. So Matt would catch that and say, you can or can't do that. And so that was a learning. Or they would do something like, oh, you want to, sure you want to cast that spell? All right, go ahead. And then there'd be a negative impact that the okay. DM explains what that means. Uh, okay, well, you just lit up the whole room and now you can be seen and now, you know, now you're dead. A common one when I played, I got roped into, and that I did enjoy, about a year and a half long um, Sailor Moon based Dungeons and Dragons game. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was a good time, but like one of the, con- we were all beginners too, even the DM was fairly a beginner, is right. making someone else do something. So, for example, like I go and tickle Brian and he does a funny right. dance because mm. you, know, you can't make someone else do right. something. It's, it's right. all. Right. Like that was a common thing that I saw, and I think right. a lot of people do that in the role play of it. Right, right. Um, and the more I learned about the mechanics of how to play D&D on the side in my own game, the more I uh, engaged or, was, or picked up on things in this with, you know, with their game. Um, it's just like anything else, like even with improv, you know, like, all right, I've been improvising long enough and I see a subtle move that somebody does that if I had, you know, I might not have caught that Mm -hmm. 10 years ago or something. Um, so the cast, right? So, and on top of that PS, they're all voice actors, like professional big time voice actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so of course their their characters and voices are you know engaging and wonderful to listen to. I almost imagine it's better to listen to it than to watch it just for that that able to yeah. have your imagination. Because yeah. I watched I was watching the the video podcast of it, which right. you know looks fine, but it's not as if it's you know right. made to have any cartoonish or fantasy elements. Right. You're just staring at them. Right. I am able to visualize their characters more, obviously, when I listen to it than when Mm -hmm. I watch it. But after maybe about a year of listening to it, and then I started to watch it, and I was like, whoa, I'm picking up on a lot of other cross-table cues that I wasn't picking up on before. I was talking, I would talk to Dan, like, Dan, are you you like, do you watch it? He's like, no, I don't watch it. And I'm like, oh, dude, you're missing, you're missing a lot. Anyway... I mainly listen to it now, anyway. Um, yeah. Were you picking up on meta stuff? Like the stuff that's happening between the actors or yes. the actual D&D content? Both. Oh, you... Both, I'd say. I would pick up on some, some I, you know, it would just be, you'd see players whispering to each other. You know, you, there would be a moment and like, are they texting each other right now something? <laughs> Right, that's some of the meta things, and then some of the in-game role-play, th- you know, things that I was missing that I can only see would be expressions, suspense, um, and now they have, um, you know, they have an elaborate set now. So, like, if they're in a foggy environment, fog, you know, smoke machine rolls, but I don't really get that much out of that. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's like you kind of yeah. have to do it if, yeah, if you're yeah, that yeah. big, but it's not Add like a little it's to the budget. Yeah. Brian, do you um do you ever feel like one of the reasons you love this I don't know, what is it? Show game so much uh-huh, is uh-huh. uh because also like I mean, you know, and not to get into your professional life, but you probably understand well being a showrunner how like reality television works in sense of like how characters are created on television. And so like you kind of getting this other layer out of them of like there's the performance aspect, but then there is yeah people. I think people behind for it. me I mean I appreciate the insight, but honestly, I get more out of it from being having been an improviser for 20 plus years. Sure. Because that's where I get, because they're, one of the things, here's something else that I love, that I haven't said yet, that relates to this, why I love Critical Role, or D&D, is that it is, what's the best term, cooperative storytelling. Mm, yeah. It is storytelling by committee if you will 
And it is a choose-your-own-adventure novel, right? And so in that, it is great to hear character choices. One of the one of the improv- uh, one of the players, Sam Regal, uh, was a UCB guy for a long time. You know, did UCB mains, and it shows. You know, his choices are now, <laughs> and and he makes his wants known. You know, like those are strong. So I see that, or if I see somebody like pocketing something too much for later, I'm like, oh well, it's pushing it off to later. Choose now. Choose now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, more than anything, it's able to see in a, in a way that I haven't been, this goes back to the long, long form of it, that the payoffs are earned. They really, it'll be a year for something that is invested into. Yeah. Yeah, seeds, multiple seeds planted and layered and approached from different ways. And that cooperative storytelling is super cool to watch from people who know story. Yeah. It's, it's you know, magic, right? Like the yeah. same way when you watched your first improv show and you're like, yeah. this almost doesn't make sense. It's so magical. Right. But this is right. that even stretched out, which makes it right. feel more magical. You're like, right. how? Right. The same kind of thing where like a half hour improv set where you're like, whoa, that was how did they do, you know, to like civilians who had never seen improv or something where it was like, oh, that had to be pre-written. That was magic. Right. But like the over you're right. But over a year. And, you know, it makes me thirsty to want to play play the game again. Yeah. Where are you at now with playing the game? And I both in your skill set and are you currently active? Great question. No, I'm not. So it feels like I am a like Monday morning quarterback, you know, judging the <laughs> judging the games. Um, but active uh, improviser. An, an active improviser, yes. <laughs> um, but not playing D&D. So I was playing and I mentioned the late great Dan Torson was our dungeon master. And so when he passed away, we all sort of stopped. And it is, we all wanted to continue to play, but it's a ton of work to be a dungeon master, like a ton. And so we were just so lucky to have him and that he did all that work and that we were just able to show up at our appointed Mm -hmm. Zoom time and play. How long Um, did it last for the, your, your stint? Um... A uh, year and a half, mm-hmm. maybe a little more than that. Year and a half, yeah. Okay, so and and you saw your skill set grow over that time yes. when watching the the show. To a hundred percent. I mean, now you know. I knew that when I came in, I was playing. So who, uh, uh, Nate and Megan were on. Uh, were I was playing with uh, Sasha. You may know. Um, a bunch of and they knew all the rules. I was the outsider who had never played, panicking, you know, like panicking. embarrassed. I didn't know anything because you're alone. And, you're on Zoom. You you can't be like leaning over. Well, to not even next well, you know. I think yeah. we had our session zero, which is like your pre-session mm-hmm. before you really start playing, and you get to like roll your characters and all that. Anyway, um, and I like, I borrowed Dan's rule book and like was like terrified. And I started listening to this and now and by, you know, not long into playing with those guys quickly, you know, I was more familiar with the rule sets than than everybody else. Like next to Dan, you know, like I was. Wow. Which could see it really being a great way to learn. Oh, yeah. Versus like the improv way. Improv wouldn't really work the same because even if you're Mm -hmm. listening to like improv for humans or whatnot, they're not taking a pause to discuss the rules or the strategy they they used right and then when i would play i was simultaneously listening and playing that it of course exercise then i was playing like there was a huge learning curve just from playing just like with improv like for example you can know only so much theory you can listen to you got to make the mistakes yourself and get in there and see the difference because rhythm this is a this is a game that Matt as the DM has to keep momentum and rhythm and 
color going. He has to be on like every time. He's on. They all do. And <laughs> and there's something to be said for maintaining rhythm. And, you know, that we get to our home game and it was not as easy, you know. Yeah, I blame I mean, Nate most of the time. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine um, when the cameras are rolling, things get different too. I mean, I'm yeah. sure they're all talented and great, obviously. But I think even any home game, if you knew, hey, we're recording this. We might make this a podcast or whatever. You're going to be a little bit different versus like even my Sailor Moon one. We weren't recording. We're all drinking. It's mm-hmm. It's just – it's very – it would be yeah. unlistenable, unwatchable. Yeah. So I think there is a bit of a shift that can uh, yeah. come just from that. There are some amazing home games that there are no cameras on, but are supposedly amo- amazing. You know, like uh, there's one, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name, big, tall, handsome actor with a beard, uh, Joe Man- Man, um, Manginello. Yeah, so the- him... Magic Mike. Tom, yeah, yeah. Him, Tom Morello, um, uh, who was guitarist for Rage. Um, uh, the showrunners of Game of Thrones. Um, there's a couple of others in at this table that I'm thinking of that are just like amazing. And it's like, oh man, I would love to have cameras on that table. Yeah, that would yeah, be fun. totally. Yeah. <laughs> Now, um, go ahead. Um, I just want to not get past because obviously Critical Role, we've established they're really popular. They yes. are the it people of this type of uh, content. Mm-hmm. So what category of Shut Up, I Love It do you think they belong in? Obviously, you love it, but how have right. you experienced them in the world? I I think that I still have a stigma of, of um, being a being a grown man liking Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and, uh, you know, let me heighten that. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a grown single man who looks forward to his Dungeons and Dragons podcast <laughs> on Twitch. <laughs> on Thursday night, baby. On Thursday nights, is right? Is it Thursday yet? Yes. Right, is, is it Thursday yet? Um, and so I think that it is my own category of hang-up this feels like it's my coming out party because I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. And I'm, you know, so there's some of that. Some of that stigma of um, I shouldn't like these things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, or I shouldn't be not, not, I shouldn't be spending investing time into them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so I think that's a category, maybe. Yeah, I don't no, totally. Know. Yeah, misunderstood. Yeah, I, think, I think misunderstood or, or misunderstood isn't it? I would say that it is misappropriated shame, if you will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Meaning, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, because we should. I shouldn't be shameful. I shouldn't yeah. be, and there shouldn't be that stigma. There is that stigma where there's that mm-hmm. side eye. People might still give. But go fuck yourself. I love it. You know, I'm going to do what I want. That yeah. should be the new name of the podcast. podcast. Fuck yourself. I yeah, love it. I agree. <laughs> I, I do get that because um, Dungeons and Dragons had has had a resurgence as pop oh, yeah. culture versus, you know, mm-hmm. where it came in the 70s, 80s. It was demonized, literally. Right. And yes. people were getting beaten up for playing it. Now we mm-hmm. kind of see it more as a pop culture thing. However, I think it's still something where it's like oh it's for 22 to 30 year, 30 year olds yes type yes. of uh it's cool for that anyone right. else it's not cool right. type of thing and that age range might not be exactly right but that's kind of the, the sense i get from it where there's still a little bit of like yeah hey, i'm playing D or I'm yeah that. i think that holds true for a lot of things in mm. let's just say nerd culture um, and I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm fully immersed in nerd culture because I mm-hmm. think that's just a big fat label. I just, I like the things that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but 
I think that there has been like the popularization of obviously, obviously the popularization of nerd culture in, in the 21st century, you know, like that has come around and it's cool and comic con is cool and like all of that. But there's still, there's still some of that depending upon the pure group that I'm in. And I'm not so naive to say that I'm not, susceptible to peer pressure or peer judgment right yeah Um, i just need to consciously be aware of it and say you know what no brian you love it go fuck them go fuck them yeah i love it wait wait um (laughs) something i played dungeon and dragons once like literally one session it was great we just never got together again because the uh dungeon master's wife was very pregnant at the time and i think like literally she gave birth yeah like a week or two later and we never got together again it was shortly before the pandemic is when we started not knowing there Mm. will be a pandemic obviously Mm -hmm. because then it would be weird if we knew right like what's what's up with that um but i i had a great great time i loved it i loved i loved it all former co-host of shut up i love it stephen cohen was part of it um yeah and it was really great i still remember like the story like i remember my character and the moves i made and i remember how it ended thinking we'll pick it up next week (laughs) and we never did (laughs) i mean uh, our story is a sad one you know, with Dan, yeah, right? yeah. super, sad. super sad. But on, on a dramatic D and D cliffhanger, we had spent a year and a half building this campaign, and sometimes in these types of campaigns, it all culminates in the ultimate battle or something. You know, it's mm. the, the there is a big right, the climax, right? The the, and we were on the eve of that, mm. oh, literally. Crazy on the eve and we was all building up to this big coronation that we were going to infiltrate <laughs> so you know that that was uh you know that was hard did your friends he would love that he would love that i was i'm doing this he would love that yeah I'm i was gonna say he was the only one who listened to it with me okay yeah i was gonna <laughs> say did your friends passing make you uh, be traumatized for some time um, about D and D in general, slash, or did it make you dive into into it more, into watching, you know, on Thursday night? I wouldn't say traumatized, but it certainly made me sad, right? Like, for sure. So now I like anytime I'm like I I think about my friend every day every day i'm i'm listening to even today i was listening to a brand new episode of critical role and thinking about him like oh my gosh he would love this or like i wish we could be doing trying x y and z in our own home game um and it makes it sad you know i i my group i can't speak for anybody else on the in the in the group but there wasn't a Thank rush all for back listening. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was hard for everybody else. You know, it was hard for all of us. Uh, there wasn't a rush back to it. That part was painful. But I still had, I still loved the the game and listened to this podcast. In your, for you, it was in a way bringing him back, right? Kind of. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a way of certainly remembering him i mean 99 percent of my time with him was on stage you know but this was another way of you know acts spending time with him so that was the most recent because you would know what he would say and how would he react oh yeah i can imagine so it. you could yeah, could, you imagine. could basically like layer that into your consciousness of like how <laughs> sure. what joke he would make and stuff like that mm-hmm. sure yeah um yeah, and so, I, I, I couldn't go on further without saying I knew Dan as well. Great guy, you know, big loss. And yeah. just. Yeah. And a talented dungeon master. 
<laughs> I'll say it, it that. It takes a great writer, right? To like person who knows it, a way. A lot of skills. It takes, yeah. It takes somebody who's into it. You know what? I, I, I didn't know this about him. He would Thank read you all for you listening. Know, fantasy novels and was really into that genre and would pull inspiration and build. So in D&D, this is a good thing to say about Critical Role and why I love it, is there is Dungeon Dungeons and Dragons, who's owned by Wizards of the Coast, um, which is owned by Hasbro. Um, they out. have volume. Sponsors. Sponsors. Yeah. Sponsors. sponsors <laughs> Please you know, sponsor us. In case you're listening, hashtag. Um, um, they have books that you can that are turnkey campaigns and settings. And by settings, I mean, oh, there's a world that you're, it's an open world that your players can play in. And goalposts that you can put your players through. Um, then there's what's called homebrew, and that's where the the dungeon master makes the entire world up themselves. That is that is work because you, you're creating mm-hmm. lore. What is it called? What did Tolkien have? The Similarian? Is that what it's? Am I am I butchering that? Yeah, the Silmarillion. Yeah, thank you. And where you're creating all these places on a map literal map of a world with continents and cities and races and political history like the titles and, of game of thrones right the title sequence yeah exactly and to create that from scratch is a is a ton of work and, and because you're it. yeah and your players could go anywhere it's open mm-hmm. to that you had to sort of be ready um and that's one of the reasons. So, the, so Critical Role does that. And Matt Mercer is one of the best at creating. He created this fictional world called Exandria. And, um, and it's not easy. You know, I think one of the reasons we all loved, I don't know if you guys loved Game of Thrones, but I did. And it's because of that world and the world building and how deep it was and and the stories that were told within it, it was so. That's one of the things Critical Role does. Were you now, ever did, a big Lord of the Rings guy? You know, I can't claim to be. I certainly read all the books a couple times, um, or three. Yeah, um, but I can't say that I and, and certainly loved the movies and continue to watch the movies. But I can't say that I was like. A, 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 an uber fan or right you're not gonna just you know come up with names for every little tiny detail like like my husband right. would, for example yeah if you mention anything <laughs> right. lord of the rings yeah right he knows all uh, of the Silmarillion. yeah yeah um and something else that i love about critical role too is their general um I don't know how to say it. I guess disposition. Help, help, help me express this, guys. Because they sort of stand for being kind and welcoming and making the world a better place. So how, that is how do their, they stand for it? Like by by doing what? That's a great question. It is in general. There's lots of sort of out of game messaging that they have, mm. um, and they have a found. They have multiple charitable charitable foundations. Um, I'm just going to say Critical Role Foundation because I don't have the right term. Um, and um, and their messaging is consistently about inclusivity and no hate. Um, and, you know, it seems like something small because it doesn't necessarily show up to, uh, overtly in their content. But it goes a long way. And it, and it spreads out to their community. They have a huge community. Um, they're critters. And it's just one more reason to like it, as opposed to some other community that's, you know, bitchy and backstabbing. Well, yeah, you look at some of the popular podcasts that, you know, are actually spreading hate and uh, yeah. regressive views. Like, that is what right. they're... Their ethos, maybe that's the, right. the, the word we're looking for, right. is 
um, your Andrew Tate's, your even your like No Jumper podcast where right. they're you know glorifying gang culture and murder culture and things right. of that nature. So I could see how it's refreshing. Right, right. Um, you know, it's just something else that's in the soup. Um, I think first and foremost, it is, like I said, those particular individuals and the context in which they're playing, where you have this expert, wonderful dungeon master who's a good friend. And then you've got seven other friends who don't know what the hell they're doing and are stumbling through it and having a blast and are leading with story first. Do they still not know? They are much better. (laughs) But every... They're still having things explained to them and probably will forever that a a good DM is going to know more. And a certain, you know, like, it's sort of like a judge. You know, a judge isn't there. The judge is really there in a U.S. court system to be a referee Mm -hmm. between the two and to sort of make calls on what is allowed and not. Do they ever talk about their personal lives in any way? Because I'm just thinking like you're about your comparison to soap opera yeah. or something and like how a lot of people who are into a soap opera would go like through meeting their future partner, marrying them, yes. having babies, yes. divorcing, like all those things. Do they ever talk about at all in any form? They. It's funny you ask. By the way, the, the main content is critical role. And they have, but they also have a side talk show called Talks Machina. It's not called Talk. Now it's called Foresighted Die dive um but where they just sort of like it's like an after the fact breakdown okay um that's just them being themselves um but but there are two of the eight people there's there's the dungeon master and i'm gonna say seven seven other main players um there are two couples Mm. before Uh, or since no, they were always okay. since since the since it started. Okay, but they one of them had a baby during the show, and so sure. they would share some of that, um, and they would share about some of their personal stories, you know. And other times they're more guarded. I think it's just personal for each person. Um, so the dungeon yeah. master is taken. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's taken. Sorry. Um, and yeah, I think it just varies. They let things slip out. Cause I've watched lots of like uh, ancillary content around it, whether it be interviews or the talks machina that they do, you know, or did for a while and it all comes out in little snippets here and there. How do you feel about labeling yourself a nerd? Or not labeling yourself a nerd or like rejecting labels altogether? I'm more rejecting and have been for most of my life, rejecting labels altogether. And some of this stigma or just this and goes thank back you all to for me listening. to high school. I was, uh, you know, in a very segmented culture back then. I was, I was, you know, captain of the sports that I played on one hand. And on the other hand, I would was in theater club and Latin club and neither of the groups would be like, "Mm, you're not one of us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, why don't you go hang out with your theater friends or why don't you go hang out with your sports jock friends or whatever. So, uh, but I didn't care. And even then I liked the fact that I was spread out and doing everything all at once. Um, And so I've worked on um, not really, not really caring, not conforming to the, yeah, not conforming or not, not being grouped. I think there's just, I just think being grouped in general is a negative. I mean, I mean, I don't want to get heavy, but like, even with politics, it's an all or nothing world right now. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, you're either, you're either this or you are that. And there is no in between. There is no room for crossover. And if you cross over, you are rejected by whatever group you think thought you might've been in. Yeah. Um, and in similar ways. And I mean, I think we are, you know, um, come long ways and there's less of that now. Right. 
um, with the exception of maybe politics. Like yeah, I think said. politics but, is the <laughs> the one place where yeah, it's just gotten worse. Where it's, it's just getting worse, right? But um, to that end, I don't. I don't. I just sort of if, if I love something and I identify that I love it, as long as it is, and we can get into this healthy dogs. Yeah, dogs. Oh my god, I love dogs. Um, yeah. That's an easy one. Who doesn't love dogs? I don't trust anybody who doesn't love dogs. Cat <laughs> dungeons oh, and dogs. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, and um, so yeah, I would say to come around to your question, Sash, that uh, that it, I fight. I just go more no labels. Yeah. And if you love something, love it. It doesn't mean you have to be. And by the way, if I thought I was going to lean into nerd culture it's not that i don't like nerd culture it's just that i don't feel like i have to identify mm -hmm. with it is there anything else we should talk about before moving on to the ratings i just quickly want to ask if you've gotten to the legend of vox machina the animated yes. series yes yes so that right there is an interesting story so they there was a big push for them to to take what they had improvised, their first campaign, and animate it. They, they, all, they all work in animation. They're all voice actors. And so they had a Kickstarter that was the most highly funded Kickstarter for film or TV. And the fastest funded Kickstarter for film or TV. Um, Amazon caught on, noticed that, and picked up the rest of their season and gave them a season two as well. So that's the legend of Vox Machina, Machina, which is the animated sort of truncated of the first campaign. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's not why I love Critical Role. Right. Yeah, it seems like there's other elements to Critical Role of like kind oh. of the inside baseball-ish yeah. thing, the relationships. Sure. Uh, well, I think to get to the earlier point is that that animated show legend of vox machina is a 24 minute animated scripted show which is different from the content that i fell in love with which was a three to five hour story by committee cooperative improvised fantasy game with mechanics built in and the spontaneity yeah. that only improv yeah. can give you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm used to that other content. This is something different. It's like, you know, like it, I don't know, I'm trying to find something that's analogous, but it's, it's hard, you know. It's like jazz versus a pop song. You know, like I would go listen to three hours of jazz, if I was a big jazz enthusiast, three hours of jazz at a club and be in that moment. And it's different than listening to, you know, two minute Taylor Swift song. No, you know, no hate to Tay. No. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially hearing why you love Critical Role so much. Um, I might be the opposite, but we'll get into that, into the ratings. Oh, How do they right work? There. How do they work, Joe? All right, we're going to rate Critical Role on a scale of zero to 10 using something else as our basis of comparison or the scale, so that other thing can be a, uh, a dungeon run that's another uh, uh, live-streamed dungeon mm -hmm. dragon game. That one is a 1, it sucks, and Critical Role is a 10. Or it could even okay. be a hug from your mother is Ooh. a 10, and Critical Role is a 4, because it's good, but not as good as a hug from your mother. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter. And if that doesn't make sense, Sasha and I will go first. I'll go first because it seems like you're sitting on something, Joe. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if <laughs> you I... You have that look about you. If it's that interesting even, <laughs> that it's worth the tease. But yes, go ahead. I wasn't able to watch a four-hour episode. You know, I didn't. Yeah. But like not because I felt like uh, I, I didn't want to or anything. I just felt like that was a commitment I wasn't ready to take on. But... <laughs> At the same time, when I watched bits and pieces, I uh, did get the vibe of all the, you know, friendship and spontaneity and warmth 
and uh, just like chill vibes, honestly. Good, feel good vibes all around that I think is probably a big part of maybe people prefer this particular campaign or this particular uh, show to others. So um, I would compare that to that one single time I played <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, my only experience doing it live um, with uh, my fellow writers from Robot Chicken Room. That's who mm. did it. And Jared was a very good, incredible uh, dungeon master. Shout out to Jared. Um, playing it was a lot of fun. And I would say I give it a nine. And if that's a nine, I think there's a universe where I get into this in the middle of pandemic. I don't have a child or anything like that. And then I maybe start getting into critical role. And then that would be a 7.5. So I think I could definitely get into that. Um, and I have a lot of that's respect fair. for that. Yeah, that was a hairy dog, but that's fair. <laughs> Joe, what about you? What are you sitting on? Um, so I've watched more of the Legend of Vox Machina uh, in preparation for this episode okay. because I was trying to, I was watching a bit of all of it more than I have in the past. Um, in the past, I'd say bef- pre-pandemic, I was testing the waters of some of these different uh, types of D&D games that are streamed and whatnot and trying to give them a listen, seeing if I was into it because it seemed like a lot of my interests, but I just couldn't quite get into them. I think there was something that I wasn't latching on to, but I've always wanted to. So for me, it was much easier to just go with the straightforward 24-minute animated series, get the story, see if I like these people. And I thought it was it's a pretty entertaining series, very adult, very bloody, very adult. but also playful at the same time. So that has it has me a little more curious for the the main show. And I was watching parts of the main show, but again, not being able to get through, you know, several hour episode, not being sure where to start. All of that stuff kind of kept me from doing anything more than skipping to different sections and, and listening um, but what you've talked about today has made me really interested because of what you said about how they started being completely illiterate to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I've been wanting to get into Dungeons and Dragons again after playing this Sailor Moon version, which was incredibly loose. I think any legitimate DM would see our game and say, you guys are actually playing with that. You know, that baby game where you just stack rings. <laughs> on top of a yeah. thing that is my essentially dog, my dog oh my god <laughs> that was w- the version of lord of, the, of uh, dungeons and dragons we were playing it was it was very simple and loose but i want to get into it and it seems like this would be a great show with that perspective and looking at it looking for those moments that you're talking about um so i'm gonna rate it against um improv for humans the improvised podcast from uh UC high bar and matt besser which I think is not really a, a great show. I don't think uh, improv on podcasting has kind of figured itself out, even that with that show being out for, I think, 10 Six? years, yeah. 12 years or something okay. now. It, it's been out for a long time. And every time I listen to it, I'll check in every once in a while. I'm like, I don't think this is right. Um, so I'm going to give that a 3 out of 10. Whoa. A critical role, I see it working a lot more than than something like improv or traditional improv and podcasting form. So I'm going to give it a matching number of Sasha of 7.5 because I think it has so much potential for me to get into it. Like it's something I'm really excited to get into. But, you know, when you're not ready to dive yet, that is kind of where I'm at. I'm not ready to get wet yet in the water, but I know once I do, I'm not going to want to get out. So it's we'll overwhelming. See. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. And yeah. in a year from now, maybe I'll own a Critical Role Clue, and and I'll be really in deep. Yeah, become yeah. a Critical Role head. I want to say, 
Yeah, a critic, a critter, as they say. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I will say I've listened to a, a lot of episodes of Shut Up, I Love It, mm. and I want to acknowledge the thoughtfulness and time you both took to put into this particular rating system. <laughs> On this episode. That sounds like an ouch for our former episodes <laughs> where we don't do that. Those, the ratings you both gave were, were very thoughtful. Okay. And I thought were great and made sense. Great. What about you and then? The, the previous 200 yeah. episodes. Let's not. Uh, well. Let's not. The chocolate chip cookie never makes it. I, I don't even know if I disagree with you. That's so. the only one I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I hope you use it right now, but I'll let you yeah, decide. This is, no, actually, I had cheeseburger lined up mm. until after a day at the beach as a 10, mm. but I'm, I'm actually putting something else at 10. See. Um, uh, having played uh, the, having played at a table with friends. There and this could be another episode of mm. Shut Up I Love It. It's just Dungeons and Dragons. Ha- but mm. but playing at a table with friends, having a shared experience, mm-hmm. actually playing the game with people you know, and cooperative storytelling, that's better than any podcast. That is, man, it got me hooked and it was something I look forward to all week. I tested those guys more than ever. And that's a 10. If that's a 10, I'll give Critical Role an 8. I mean, I don't want to replace the actual time at the table because that's where it's at. I'm just now watching somebody else have fun. It's not as good as having fun yourself. Mm -hmm. I always like an inverted rating in that way that gives respect to the topic, but also Mm -hmm. shows that no, there is a better... Thing. Yeah. There's inverted yeah, yeah, like yeah. belly button and then there's inverted rating. I like that it's a diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's chocolate chip cookies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Never again. We're going to retire chocolate chip cookies as of today Oatmeal and replace it with any And I'll tell you what, if I put a table together, I'm calling both of you guys. I am there. I I'm am there. legitimately there. I'm waiting for the invitation. I do. I do. Yeah. I do need an invite for sure. That's the hardest part because you need somebody to DM it. Yeah. Yes. But I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. You might be. I mean, you're a showrunner. You have you, some sort of storytelling skill. You read all the rules. Some sort of organization books. skill. Like, you knew I as much as Dan did it. after you read all the books. Um, right. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for coming. Shut up. I love it. Finally. And talking about Critical Role. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It was really a pleasure and you guys are so nice is there anything you want to plug at all i mean hu- um honeymoon yeah pl- you know plays every other week at the clubhouse tuesdays at 10 that's probably not true uh no i think, I think it's our t- wednesdays at nine <laughs> <laughs> i think it could it's be wednesdays that. at could- nine First okay, and third makes- wednesday at nine that sounds right okay that's right that's right uh joe what about you uh, go to joecabello.com. You can get sign up for my email list there where I'll, sometimes I'll send out funny stuff. And you could also find my graphic novel, Bottoms Up Hard Liquor, that is out and available still. I read it. It's awesome. Yes, you did read it. You had a lot of great uh, images from it you were sending me. That was the highlight of my day that day, if not week, oh. that week. Oh. Um, so one of so the best good. writing teachers in the world saying it's a good product. Oh, thank you. I'll take Go that. take my writing class at scriptanatomy.com. Look for Sasha Filer's uh, classes coming up. I have two coming up. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for the artwork. Thank you, Mr. Owl, for this amazing track. Can we all just say happy third child to Elizabeth Salute? She gave her. Oh, yeah. And Mr. Owl, we miss you. Uh, and thank you all for listening.